The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right this holiday weekend. And uh, Will Bolton crew, man, they are rolling into today in sole place, uh, in sole first place in the Big Ten. So we'll get into some Husker baseball. Plenty of thoughts to get into the first week of spring football. The fellas got the pads cracking yesterday. Some Final Four, some retirement that uh, we uh, were all blessed with seeing Roy Williams bring in his Kansas crew before departing for North Carolina. So many years at the Devaney Center. And we'll rewind with uh, Nebraska's newest commit uh, for 2022 with Victor Jones Jr. Numbers to get in this morning can dial us up 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach. And can find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Great act. What's up? What's good? You got the uh, the Easter ham all uh, well marinating for uh, for some goodness tomorrow. What's up, man? Got to figure that out, man. How, how are you? I you know I scored some volleyball tickets. Ooh, the NCAA volleyball. Yeah, you know? nice. That's that's been a big, that was a big deal. That, that took well, like seventy refreshes. You're you're super dead with that because little Shelby wants to go watch some volleyball, brother. That's right. She gets to see some Elite Eight, some Final Four, see if Nebraska makes it. Who Ooh. knows? Um, but that was really hard to get tickets, by the way. It is so good to be back at events. I know. Oh God. How was went, last, went to the Minnesota how was, game last yeah, weekend. I was say, how was last weekend? So let, let me soak it in vicariously. Uh, it's kind of weird because, I mean, you're wearing a mask outside. Uh-huh. That's To me, that's just weird. It has That has been weird since the beginning of this stuff, right? But whatever. That's what you got to do to... To, to watch games. It was windy as hell. It was kind of cold. <laughs> you're, you're shocked. It just, it you're shocked in your tones with that. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, that part wasn't amazing, but, but pretty cool. Like it, it was, it's just so nice to be able to actually go to events again. Got spring game tickets yesterday. Bang. Or, or two days ago. So that, yeah, man, it's all coming back. Everything's coming back. And will that make a difference? You, you know what I'm saying? Like we forget it, and it's easy to criticize the football team and everything because uh, they, they just don't win a lot lately, but they should. Um, that would be good if they did. But, like, there have been no fans there. Hmm. How much do – look, does that mean that 
you scored two more touchdowns a game. I don't know. Does Illinois saying, still like, happen with the fans is what you're asking? I just, yeah. right? Like, you, you just don't know. I, like, it changes the dynamic. You know that. It definitely changes the dynamic. Yeah. Yes, you still have to execute on the field. Or, mm-hmm. Like, we know that. But come on. There's a reason why there's such a thing as home field advantage. Sure. And fans have a lot to do with it. And we coming back, man. The, <laughs> fans uh, are coming back into the stands. The the no truer point is the sellout streak. The amount of fandom that is all over from a supportive standpoint for 99.9% of the kids, whatever sport, to, to help cheer them on. They're, uh, they're viewed as conquering heroes, right? So you bet it, it matters to have that voice, the unified voice at the Devaney Center for volleyball, as great as that program and team is. It, it matters the final 30 seconds if you're trying to get a stop at PBA if you're the mayor. And don't yeah. how many times have you and I risen to our feet growing up, Elijah too, <laughs> on third and nine when Wistrom's about to scream off the edge? Yeah. I mean, it, it matters. Absolutely matters. And I was happy that you got to go last weekend. And, you know, you're a big baseball guy. And, you know what, Nebraska able Dude, to get seven that. in a row. Yeah, seven, seven in, in a row. row. Right now. Like, and they had to battle back a couple of different times. You know what? This 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 team, uh, you know, their, their motto is beautiful. It's gritty over pretty. And they just find a way. And as great as Cade Povich has been, you know, he got five and a third last night, probably didn't have his best stuff, but he battled and then the offense found ways and Nebraska, you know, with Will Bolt's crew, they have been clutch and they have been so versatile at doing it. They've done it, they've done it this season with stealing bases. They've done it with sacrifices. They've done it with power. And that's really cool. I mean, they've cranked out already 20 bombs this year and, the guys have found their role and have found a sweet spot and with no warm-ups with some RPI games they've gone uh, well head first into third with uh, just their their mentality and it's really cool even when the, I mean the the emotion the the mental toughness you got to have <laughs> with baseball and just the uh, the resiliency they they had it all on display last night. And Illinois is one of those teams that is probably really pretty good, but their consistency is the issue. Well, knock on wood right now through uh, 16 games, Nebraska's found some consistency at least. Yeah. Yeah. And they do, they got, they got quite a few guys to go to. I no, I don't think they have like a Shane Komenay, Jabba Chamberlain, it, right, like Johnny I'm Dorn, not sure they have that right. huge, that huge arm. They got a lot of good ones, um, and that you know that's one cool thing about being able to go to games too is you can go near the bullpen, you can watch guys throw, uh, and you know there's there's people that maybe you don't hear a lot about yet, but after watching, you're confident, <laughs> like <laughs> like Cam Win, the kid yeah. out of Lincoln yeah. that went to A and M. That that dude's a beast, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a Big. That's a big dude on the mound. That's got some a pretty live arm. He's only thrown three innings so far this year in, in short relief. But uh, 
when you have when you have the luxury to do that with a player like that <laughs> to kind of limit his innings and save him and you know bring him in like super situationally that's good Schwellenbach when he comes in and throws mm-hmm. come on now like so th- they have a they have a ton of arms they have a ton of arms and then defensively I didn't check it after yesterday um, but I mean they, they were second in the country in in fielding percentage right like yeah Will Bolt's not gonna let you that's not some field bolt ball right there <laughs> that's well, that's bolt ball yeah <laughs> that's that's exactly how that dude plays uh and there and there's a certain intensity about them and and uh I don't carefree is not the right word I would confident it's right yeah mm-hmm. they're just they're just kind of grinders they're they don't they just don't sweat this they don't care they're they're like let's go mm-hmm. like right whereas I think in the years past you've seen some teams that are just kind of tight you know what I mean? They just don't feel well, they don't want to fail. Loose. This team doesn't want to fail either, but they their approach seems to be a little an different. F, yeah, that's no, the, they don't give an F. It's the best they're, way to put it on a Saturday morning. <laughs> they, they don't like it's, <laughs> but you can tell that it's it's just interesting to watch. Like when you're when you're physically around them, and then you know when you've caught them on some of these weird Big Ten Plus. My God, I have that Big Ten Plus. Do you have that? Uh, what did I, I? I grilled last night, so no. I poured a couple of vodkas and hung out with the family. Do you got the BTN Plus though? Do I you have that. Don't think I've investigated into that. No. I, so I, I bought it by accident. I like signed up for a free trial or something, and it's like one hundred seventy nine dollars. Free turned year. into all year. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I love like, it. Uh, so I might as well like make the most of it. But what they do is they they play the they play the baseball games. Mm-hmm. Usually with some sort of like college broadcast feed. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes there's not even announcers. So did you get a feed last night? No, I, I, I did not check it last night. And, but I'm, I'm going to this weekend. Uh-huh. I'll pull it up if it's not t- t- televised otherwise. But uh, wow. So, But I have been able to watch more of this team because of that, because of BTN Plus. Sure. And the, the, the team is loose. They play really good defense. They have a ton of arms to go go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's almost too many to name, right? Like, the, there's probably 10, 11 guys total that that you can reasonably depend on to get some outs. Um, again, without having necessarily that that huge top end, can't miss, top three rounder type arm. You've got to be able to get guys to believe, go execute, and then deal with the roller coaster of a, of a nine-inning ball game. And you're right. Uh, to have that many choices, go get it done on top of some, some guys you're going to lean heavily on uh, is a great thing. Last thought here on baseball, Cranach. I mean, let's spend a minute on, on Max Anderson and just what he's been able to do at this young age and not get caught up in the moment, but, but continue to mash. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he was huge with his RBI single to, to put him back in front. That's energy. That's momentum. That's the lead back as you lost the lead last night. He has been so good at such an early portion of his career. You want to get guys like that 
but you don't always land. It usually takes a, a, a dude a year or half of a season to get acclimated. And, man, they got a good one at an early age just producing like no other. And he embodies exactly what I was just talking about, about not caring, not giving an F. And he, he's, uh, he's super loose. And, and like he's, he's, he talks about that about that being his approach at the plate where he's like, look, I don't overthink it at all. See ball, I, kill ball. Yeah. I, it's hey, I'm playing the same game. I've been playing forever. The, the guys I'm facing throw it harder and they have more movement now, but it's the same game. I've been playing forever. And how many swings do you think the guy's taken in his life? Right? Like 40 million. <laughs> so he doesn't overthink it. And he's just like, whatever, let's play. And it shows, I mean, he's dude, he's like what mid threes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically, and you have to go back to, I mean, there's only a handful of guys that come in as a true freshman and just put up numbers like that. It's just, it's just, it doesn't happen. Like there's Alex Gordon, there's Ryan Bolt. Uh, I think that's it. (laughs) Well, I'm watching the video right now too of, I mean, there's not a lot. I'm watching the, the old Will Bolt special, the old squeeze play bases loaded one out. And you lay down the old squeeze beautifully. <laughs> well, and you know, and for folks that maybe weren't watching or, or just weren't around when Will Bolt was playing, didn't watch a whole lot. Like, is there any doubt that one Will Bolt is a coach? Like, or is it any surprise? No. <laughs> that Will Bolt is one, a coach. And then two, that his team plays exactly like he did. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really good fit. I think it's a really good fit. I don't, I don't know that this is going to be an elite program, but I would, I look, I'm not going to count it out and I'm not saying this year, right? I I don't think it's this year. They're like top 10 in the country or anything like that, but, um, I would not put it past them. I mean, at all. No, they've got, they've got the momentum. They're feeling good. Now there's still a lot of baseball yet to be played. But this can only. I'm talking about him building help. that kind of program. Though. Oh, he'll absolutely. Like, do, do you? I actually believe not just because of the seven-game win streak, but like, <laughs> I I really do believe he can build them into like a top ten-ish program. Like, like return to Omaha. Like, when are you talking? Next decade? Next five years? What are, What are you talking? Here? I think they can be back again. This isn't to overblow yeah. seven games or. <laughs> I know it's the start, but I'm saying he he lived it. He was it. He was the the ringleader, along with some other fabulous talent when Van Horn got here. Cranach and I were, yeah, were were here. I mean, we were. Trying to graduate, uh, and uh, and yeah, we we saw firsthand. Will Bolt was creating one of our first interviews ever. We're in college. He's eating pizza. We're uh, trying to get out of Avery Hall, and uh, we're doing a sports show on a Monday night called Out of Bounds. And let's call this guy named Will Bolt out of the uh, the uh, the wonderful state of Texas, and puts his pizza down and. We talk Oscar baseball about how but you it, felt like you were talking to a forty-year-old. I was talking to a forty-year-old, right? Who wanted pepperoni and yeah, it was it no, was wonderful. Right? Yeah, it was. But, we, but the we, kid, you know, the kid was what nineteen, uh-huh. eighteen, nineteen years old. But you, I mean, even then, just exhibiting like very big signs of maturity and like the dude has his stuff together and he always has. Mm. Um, and it's yeah, it's just now. 
I do believe they have the potential to build a top 10. They have some things stacked against them. Like one, they play in the Big Ten. Sure. So just like getting ranked alone is going to be an issue. <laughs> just that alone. Um, but look, you, you can build a monster in a conference that maybe doesn't have a ton of peers. You know, look at look it's at what Gonzaga your, does it's not in your basketball. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. Look at what Gonzaga does in basketball. Look at Boise in football. Look at, I mean, there's there's actually a few examples in baseball. I mean, where the hell does Fullerton come from? Like, what the hell is that, right? Mm. Uh, so, like, you can do it. And and it starts with not letting your best talent go to Wichita State, State. leak out. And they've been leaking out for a while. And, and, Filling up rosters in in College Station, Cranach, you know in this Arkansas, there, and there LSU, are, all those. Yeah, there there are kids in the Metro, in Lincoln, in Grand Island, Central Nebraska. I mean, there are kids who play baseball on a travel team since they're seven, six, five years old. So it's in abundance. You don't quite get the year round like you do in the warmer states, but you get really good youth baseball here, and uh, that turns into to good high school baseball. And you've just got to be able to keep them here and and know that you can't take them for granted. Well, and let's look. Let's cite Max Anderson as an example. Yes, committed to Texas A and M. He was going to go. And, and luckily, they pulled the rug out from under him. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go to Nebraska then. And now look at him. As a true freshman, he's at 344. He started every game at the hot corner for you. He's the co-leader with four home runs. He had 17 ribs, which is second. I mean, right? Like, come on. You can't, you can't let those guys get out. That's not just a... That's not just a, well, you know, it's a right thing to do to keep your talent in state and let's build a roster full of these Nebraska boys. Like, it's not just that. Like, the dudes can can contribute in a meaningful way. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. They're good enough to do it. Well, well, what's crazy about the Max Anderson story was Texas A&M pulled the rogue out from under him, and he called Will Bolt. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, I need a landing spot. You got any room at Nebraska? That's so wild to me that, I mean, arguably one of the best players in the team called up Will Bolt, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, and Will Bolt took the call. And look, and look at his staff, too. The way they're comprised, they have – Obviously, they have Texas connections. Mm-hmm. That's good. There's a lot of players in Texas. That is very good. They have local connections, and they get it. And they also have JUCO connections. Got to do that. That's that's a lot, right? That, that's a pretty well-rounded staff. That's a pretty well-connected staff. Um, a lot of baseball players, look, they don't really care. Like they'll they'll go anywhere and play. They're they're used. To, there's a lot of players that have to go the JUCO route, so they get it. Um, and so I. They're not going to rule out Nebraska. You, you know, maybe the top end, again, like the top, top end guys might rule out Nebraska just because of the Big Ten and the cold weather. But you can get that next tier if you focus on them. You know, you're not going to get the same arms, I think, that Vandy gets. Sure. Like, probably. Like, is it, you know, maybe you might luck out if some guy develops into a f- super freak. Um, but you're unlikely to get those types of guys. But that's okay. Because you can still get a lot of other ones, um, and I don't know. There's, I would buy stock here. No, oh, I'd buy stock. Absolutely. I, I'm not saying that this year they're heading to the, you know, heading to the College World Series, but I, I think he can build something, and and, and he's showing signs that he already is. He knows how 
it was built before, and, and he'll go about it that way. Let's mm-hmm. dive into some spring football thoughts and, you know, kind of a refreshing week. Not only did uh, we get a chance to uh, spend some some face time with the assistants, but, but Coach Frost kicked things off. And, you know, there needs to be action along with words, Cranach, but just from a different... I don't know, tone of things and the message and motive of, you know, what this spring's going to be about. And we heard a lot about details and fundamentals. And I really always love hearing Greg Austin talk. And yeah. I thought he was Him pretty, and Travis Fisher, right? Yeah. Both those guys are just to listen to. pretty real. And mm-hmm. they're uh, they're right on it about just where the, the program can be and the emphasis on special teams and you know, I think the urgency is obvious going into year four. There, there's also a, a tough hill to traverse because of the schedule. But man, they're saying all the right things, and if what they're saying, they're actually doing during the practice. Uh, this is where your team can can a get an opportunity to make a jump because they've they missed out last year on development time. But man, they can drill down get better at their craft, and then go get into the season. And, uh, you know, you, you heard a lot about uh, the uh, the offensive line and, and the, the candidates that everyone's getting looked at here for that right guard spot, and it's it's not a set starting five, you know, four, four out of five. We think we know, obviously, who the incumbents are. Uh, we'll get to, to hear from Coach Held and, and Coach uh, Super Mario on uh, Monday here just you know what's the backup quarterback what's what's adrian look like and then you got a really intriguing running back room yeah to uh to kind of sift through but no i uh i think that you've had uh, enough time to kind of look at what you're doing and what you think can work and what has worked and then a lot of what didn't get done correctly as you head into year four and and now it's like all right, you've shaken the cobwebs, you've assessed, and just go kind of get out of your own way on special mm-hmm. teams and on offense and get keep keep getting better defensively, and, and maybe, guess what, maybe we can win some more games. That's the thought bubble there from that, uh, that North Stadium. I mean, it, it yeah. seems like they've kind of recalibrated, refocused. It, it was really interesting listening to Greg Austin. Uh, especially as, as you mentioned. And, and one thing that he's, that he hit on was how they practice. And he hinted at they're, they're not so focused now. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, you know, if you want explosive plays in the run game and you want big plays in the run game, you have to be able to stay on blocks. And if you want to stay on blocks, you can't be tired as bleep. (laughs) And so he alluded to the, to the idea that, they have made the decision coming into this year from the top down, from Frost on down, and Austin gave him credit of just like, let's stop trying to go fast, quote unquote, for fast sake. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, look, I think there was some copy paste of what worked at Oregon, what worked at UCF, the types of players and, and the types of conferences you were competing in there. Look, by, by the time Frost had the keys to that thing at, in, in Oregon, I mean, you had a well-established culture, machine, recruits to match, 
things were clicking there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he took full advantage, give him a lot of credit for being able to actually get as much production out of that crew as possible. But that's a very different situation than what he inherited here. And they tried to, they tried to replicate it. And look, it, from, from what I gathered from Austin, it seemed like there is that humility to admit, you know what, that approach ain't working here. It just flat out isn't. You can give it a million reasons why. You could dissect it. You could try to force it all you want, but it ain't working. <laughs> and so if we want to win and keep these nice jobs, we better change our bleep up. Mm. I got the sense that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Will it work? Will it work? We'll find out. But the the emphasis, according to Austin and according to Frost, is it's not fast for fast. It is legit legitimately fundamentals fundamentals sort of like the understanding that you know there's a reason why iowa and wisconsin are able to hold down that top spot in the west every year right they they don't screw up very often they just don't they're good they're physical they they have a a game plan and it's repetitive in nature with what they do and how they do it and it starts in the spring, and they—it's so fine-tuned. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems like it seems like there's an admission. Do it in their sleep. And, yeah, and 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 look, the, what's what's interesting about it is, for all the doom and gloom you feel about the program and how they're you know twelve and twenty and this and that, they are so close to breaking through and beating Iowa. It is, I mean, it has been; those have been nail biters. So it's not it's not like Frost has been had, had his doors blown off. No. Like they just need that extra something to, to you know, well, they turn need a, that they need three a point break. loss and do a three point win. They need a break and, and they need to make their own break is what it yep. is. So will, will that work? So I, I don't know. I came away encouraged. Listen, I always yeah. come away encouraged listening to Austin. Tis but spring. I did, yes, I did detect a group. I thought there was less bravado from Frost, too. That's fair. Which was welcome. Um, he, he had such a, sort of a different demeanor about him, which is good. <laughs> I don't know. I think last year was rough. I think 12 and 20 has been rough. I think they get it. I think they are, you know, all the questions that we've all been asking, why don't you get that power run game going, you know, <laughs> which is a generic term that half of us don't even know the hell we're talking about, but we're just, <laughs> right, we're just like, right. Get the run game going. You have big run, like do that. Do whatever it takes to do that. They, feels like they they agree. Well, the the <laughs> and, line and of questioning steps to do it. The line of questioning from uh, a, a lot of us in the media, you know, to start off with Frost and then to to bring it on down to Austin was, <laughs> hey, uh, is there going to be more emphasis on the the power game and less quarterback run and. You know, I, I don't think with with what's in their playbook that they're anti-run or anti-power when you look at explosive play. And Derek Peterson had a great story this week just with where Nebraska was at run game, but it felt, I don't know, less it felt less effective because you're not seeing points scored and you're not seeing wins at the end of the, the fourth quarter. Despite the fact that Nebraska ranks really pretty well with explosive runs, what they've been able to do, and, and Greg Austin's like, yeah, man, I mean, there's 
there's some some lies in, in the statistics because he wasn't happy about the offensive line. They didn't hit the goals they wanted to achieve. I am paraphrasing now a little bit, but it can look great with piling up X number of yards per game. It can look pretty scramble. good. It, yeah, it can look better with uh, all right. You're a little bit better on on third and short, right? Getting a getting a first down. But what's second down look like for you? Is yeah. it second and seven after you tried running it, or is it a second and five, second and four type deal? So, no, they were they were pretty good about. I mean, they didn't give us a a, a length of time. They stared in the mirror, but clearly they did it. And yeah. you, you've got to realize the neighborhood you're in, and and it's okay to make a change. And, and Cranach, we've. We've seen a lot of Nebraska football, and, and I go back to this point, and I think we were talking about it in, in January on a Saturday morning before uh, we, we got into some other topic, but just the, the fact that it's okay to make tweaks and changes, like a 4-3 right. defense or an option quarterback. I mean, those are two things Osborne did at different points in his career, just like Nick Saban going to the uh, the, the dual-threat quarterback in a Tua. Totally. Right, yeah. it's it's just what are you doing it? Are you doing it while you're still winning? Or are you doing it because when you're under five hundred? You know, at what point in the program are you doing it? Well, and yeah, better late look, than never is kind of my take. Totally, like d- look, don't change systems mid season. Of course, like you know, adhere to a certain philosophy and build your program around a certain approach offensively. Absolutely, do that. But in the off season, if it ain't, change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, like don't be such a slave to it that. Yeah. You, you've kind of missed the bigger picture because the point is to win. Mm. It's not to make sure that your system is dope. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not about that. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's about what you uh, can get. At. And they made the, the adjustment right away, it seems like, with just how and who they're recruiting size-wise. I mean, they know they need big dudes in the Big Ten. Now you need to kind of hone in on on that run game and, and, and being able to uh, – to, to fix it here we are Austin by the way I know we got to hit yep. break Austin by the way alluded to changing a lot of different you'll, you'll see some new formations to yep. make this happen that'll be good one of the recruits on the way uh, we had a chance to chat uh, that is next on Hale Varsity now back with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A standout wide receiver from Orlando and the second commit for Nebraska football 2022, Victor Jones with us. Victor, thanks for jumping on. How's your day going? Oh, we're, going we're going pretty well. I'm getting a lot of love from the Nebraska fans um, yeah. on Twitter and stuff like that. So, I mean, I definitely feel um, welcome. What, what's the, uh, the craziest thing you've seen on Twitter? <laughs> uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, it's just mainly just people posting Nebraska pictures or videos or gifts or anything like that, and welcoming welcoming me to um, Lincoln, Nebraska, and the establishment, the university, and stuff like that. So it, it, it's not really crazy, but. You know, it definitely makes me feel um, warm and welcome. Victor, let's uh, spend a little bit of time on just your relationship with Coach Frost and, and how far back that goes. You're a, you're a local guy in Orlando. Coach Frost and his staff did amazing work down in Orlando. And how did you guys kind of get on each other's radar? Well, my freshman year, um, he was 
well, he was about to leave UCF, but I guess he kind of just sent somebody over to um, my high school, and they offered me my first scholarship um, in high school. And when he left UCF, the next year, he kind of just offered me again when he got back to Nebraska. So it's kind of like he was staying consistent with me, and he really believed that I was one of the guys that he really wanted on the team. So and it really made me feel like I was really wanted um, by him and whatever staff he was with. So. Talking with Victor Jones here on Hale Varsity Radio. He's a uh, three-star from down in Orlando, class of 2022, the second Husker commitment in the class of 2022. And, and Victor, what do you see your role in this Husker offense being? Is it out wide? Is it in the slot? Kind of a do-everything guy? What, what do these Husker coaches have planned for you? Well, I'm going to do it all by myself. I can go on the slide, uh, catch pads off the backfield. I can run routes on the outside. I can kick return, punt return. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a gadget guy. I'm, I'm a speedy gadget guy with good hands and great ability in the open field. So, you know, whatever is willing to put me here, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Victor, what, what do you know about Nebraska uh, as far as the program? Uh, what's, uh, what's the brand like down in Orlando? Well, no one really knows much about Nebraska down here. Um, so a lot of things because of Coach Frost and the staff and them informing me and stuff like that. But, but, but the brand down here really isn't, you know, they're not really too fond of it. But I've had a coach recently that coached me in high school and he went to Nebraska, um, stayed in Washington. He went to Nebraska and he kind of told me about them too. And I mean, when he was telling me about them, I never really thought I was going to go there. You know, it's just one of those things that you don't really know. So, but now that I'm looking back on it, you know, he was kind of only one of the only people that, you know, told me about Nebraska. We uh, remember Fabian well. Uh, Fabian was a first-round guy and was a super high-level defensive back, even started as a freshman at Nebraska. So how, how far back did your ties with Coach Fabian Washington go? Um... He coached my sophomore year in high school, and he kind of had, you know, let me know. He was like, I see a lot in you, and I feel like you can go very far with your talent. So um, he always encouraged me, you know, push myself and be myself, not let anybody tell me that I can't be great. So, yeah, he, he's, he's a very, he's very influential with my, um, you know, he wasn't very influential in my decision, but he's somebody I definitely thought about when I was making my decision. That's, uh, that's a blast from the past, name-wise. Uh, Victor Jones with us, uh, new recruit for Nebraska, wide receiver, 6'2", out of Orlando. So, Victor, uh, a little bit uh, about you and uh, what kind of got you in love with football what uh, what's your background as far as sports and I know you're a track guy as well but what, what made you kind of focus in and how did you see yourself thriving on the gridiron well when I was younger um, I played basketball was my first sport so they told me basketball I did alright and my dad he didn't really want me to play football because he played football and he didn't know if I really wanted to do it or not so I, I finally convinced him to let me play. And he put me on a flag team first. And 
when I went to the flag um, team, he coached me a little bit. You know, I just became a star team. So ever since then, it's just been football, football, football every single year. And when I turned about seven, I started running track. Then I helped with my speed a lot too. So I kept with that, and now I'm a big fast receiver and plays wide receiver. Yeah, I'm a big fast guy. So. So, Victor, tell me a little bit, too, about the connection you've made with Coach Lubick and, and uh, who else, uh, Coach Becton. Both, both those coaches were also pretty instrumental, I take it, along with Coach Frost. How's your relationship with them? Uh, we, we've had a lot of um, close, you know, um, like you said, um, in-depth talks, you know, personal heart-to-heart talks about, you know, family, um, Nebraska, how it is up there, uh, the team, how they were doing, what they're planning on doing in the future, what they plan on doing with me when I get up there, stuff like that. And uh, it really helped me be at ease and that com- be comfortable with um, saying that I really want to be a part of the, the um, organization. What, uh, what, what are the plans for the future? What's their message about the future? Well, with me, uh, Coach Fox, Man, you he be one of those guys he used to go vertical down the field. That's something he stressed to me, and he said I might be able to, you know, contribute to the return game when I first get up there. So, I mean, that'd be great for me. I, I really feel like I can um, make a difference. Yeah, Victor, I, I want to ask you about your game. What do you consider to be the strength of your game, and and, and what do you think made you stand out to these Husker coaches? What what made them notice you and, and give you an offer? Uh, I feel like um, on the field, I feel like as far as my stature and my elusiveness, along with me being able to create an open field and me having strong hands being aggressive, I kind of all around. So the fact that they're able to notice that, you know, it's, it's great for the recruiting staff because I'm, I, I, don't, I don't consider myself rated as highly as I should be, but... I mean, that's all up to, like, you know, the major sports platforms like 24 7 Rogers. But, you know, uh, it's, it's hats off to them because they really, like, took the time and made me feel like I was one of the very, very high recruits, like five star, four star. So, you know, that's one of the things that they did. Victor, I want to ask, do do you compare your game to any high-level, you know, Power 5 guys, NFL guys? Who who do you look at uh, and say, I want to be like him, that's that's what I want my game to be? Um, I look at guys like um, Andrew Hopkins. I look at guys like, uh, obviously, Odell Beckham. I look at guys like... Michael Thomas from the Saints, you know, linky guys, linky guys, but also uh, short compressed guys because, you know, more short compressed guys are more elusive versus more stringy guys or very aggressive when the ball comes and put the ball in the air. So I kind of want to be a mix of those two, you know. I don't want to be one or the other. I want to stay, you know, in between and become very good at what I do. Victor Jones with us, Hale Varsity Radio, newest commit for Nebraska football, uh, wide receiver out of Orlando. So have you had to really continuously drill on, on route running, kind of the, uh, the finer points, 
of, of pass catching, or has that come pretty naturally for you? Well, that's always something I practice, even when I didn't play receiver as a younger person. So I, I make sure to keep that in repetition so I don't lose it. And I also work on my speed a lot so I don't lose that as well. Because as you get older and taller and, you know, getting, you gain more muscles, you can um, lose those things. So I just make sure, you know, I stay on top of that. Has anybody ever ran you down from behind? <laughs> the last time someone ran me down from behind was probably when I was like 10. And I ran like 98 yards and I was exhausted. And I caught a pick at safety. So like, it was, it was, it was very... <laughs> It was a while ago. It was a lifetime ago. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. Victor, I was doing a little research here, and I'm looking at your 24-7 page compared to a guy uh, that you say you want to look up to and model your game after. That's Michael Thomas. He was ranked as the 124th wide receiver in his class. You're currently ranked as the 126th receiver in your class, and obviously a lot of time for you to uh, to move up in the rankings. But when you see like a guy like him and the success that he's had, d- does it allow you to use that that three-star ranking as a motivation oh it definitely does because a lot of the guys that are very very big stars now with the the biggest contracts and the the most money coming towards them in the nfl and everything like that they were a lot of them were three stars or two stars or zero stars so i mean i always look at that and i always take that in consideration and not look down upon myself you know i always use the motivation Keep me going every single day, yeah. Victor, we'll get you out of here on this, and it's wonderful to, to spend some time with you. What do you like about playing in the slot? What do you like playing on the outside? Because Nebraska does a really good job of cross-training their receivers so you can play about any spot. Well, I want to I play it all, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an outside guy. Mm-hmm. I would say that because of how lengthy I am. But, I mean, if you put me in a slot... <laughs> And you have a guy like one of the tight ends that are a little bit taller than put him outside me. I mean, it won't be able to tell the difference. So, like, I mean, I just want to stay versatile and make sure I can be everywhere on the field so they can use me at any time they really need to use. Take me through uh, your 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 season or the last time you got to play. What have you been dealing with from a from a COVID standpoint uh, down in Florida and specifically Orlando? I mean, what what restrictions? Have there been or have there been any, and have you been able to, to do as much football and track as you like, or are you excited to, to be able to do that sooner rather than later? Well, I'm excited about it now because uh, things are starting to open up more, but um, it kind of it, it cut into my track season last year. Um, I didn't really get to run my events like I wanted to because I was, you know, I was developing myself more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was finally, like, that was when I was finally getting back healthy again because in football season I was you know, I was a little beat up, a little banged up. So I was getting back healthy going into the track season. When I got healthy and I started running, like probably like I mean, like two weeks later they just shut everything down. So they kinda of cut off my track season. But as far as my football season this past year, uh, we had some restrictions as far as like fans mm-hmm. and they cut I think two or three of our games. So it restricted us, but not too much. I still enjoyed my season. I still had a lot of fun. So. 
And have you even gotten a chance to see the, the Nebraska campus? Uh, I know with COVID, it's it shut down official visits and stuff. I mean, how did that affect your recruitment? Well, I didn't get to take any of my visits yet. So, yeah, that definitely affected that. But honestly, um, as far as what I've seen over the Internet and everything like that, and I know they're going to get a new facility around the time that I'm coming in next year. So, I mean, all that plays in. Uh, I plan on taking a visit this June. Um, we don't have an exact date on that, but depending on the pandemic and how everything goes with um, the, the release date for when we can actually go up to the schools, uh, it should be in June. Last thought on the facility. What, what do you know about the facility that, that maybe we don't? <laughs> uh, I know that they said it's going to have the biggest weight room in the country, so... I'm ready for that. All right. So that's on the horizon. We know it's in the plans, but uh, uh, maybe that's moving forward a little bit quicker. Victor, best to you. We'll do this again. Uh, Thanks for your time today. Thank you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back at it, hour two, it's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and uh, good stuff from Jonesy. New uh, commit for Nebraska football, uh, did so later on Thursday. We had a chance to chat with him uh, yesterday. He got the rewind there. And uh, pretty good stuff. I uh, really like his film and connection that goes way back to uh, to high school. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And uh, can find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And for sure get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. So with Jones Jr. Vogues, you, you had a name we talked about, I don't know, uh, a weekend ago. In reference to Boodle and Fabian Washington and tearing up the 40, well, if, if you got the Hale Varsity Weekend bingo card out, that's two weeks in a row that we've we've heard Fabian Washington. He gets an assist here, sort of, kind of, <laughs> on Nebraska's uh, latest uh, recruit for 2022. Yeah, that, and that's, that's never a bad thing. You know, uh, obviously, first-round draft pick, accomplished player, and... and Did we lose him? Singular talent, so it's 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 pretty fun to see the uh, the connection. Man, Vogues, we more time. Vogues, you're chopping in and out, brother. Uh, can you go to your roof? I kind of kid. How? <laughs> Start over there. You mentioned talent, and then you dropped. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was saying I really like Jones, having time to have dug into him a little bit more. Um, and I think it does say something. So for a guy who's kind of, you know, a, a mid to high three star at this point, the fact that the coaches saw something with him to offer when he was you know, that early uh, as a player tells me there's something going on there. So, you know, we'll see. It, I try to be careful not to put too much on these guys before they ever arrive, but he, he kind of feels like a little bit of a steal to me. 
Brandon Vogel is with us on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. And then Nebraska also gets a commitment from a 2023 tight end out of Pierce. And we all know that Pierce just grows tight ends every couple decades. <laughs> um, what, what's your thoughts on, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Brommer. It's Brommer. Okay. Your thoughts on, on uh, Nebraska landing another tight end. And by the way, is it just me or are there just tight ends in the state of Nebraska, like just growing like weeds. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Uh, corn and tight ends. That's, that's what Nebraska does. Um, <laughs> the right? Like out of nowhere end, too. What the hell is that? There's all these six foot five to six, six, six foot six, just freaks that are just for some reason yep. growing up in Nebraska. Yeah, the, the the fifth in-state tight end this this staff has gotten that includes Cam Jurgens, who of course has, you know been your starting center the past two years, um, but doesn't even include Pedoni, who you know was just a couple miles away from from being in that group technically. It's 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 crazy to see um, with Brommer, you know, really long prospect, still pretty. He's obviously he's a 2023 recruit, so still plenty early. But you look at his numbers for for Pierce. You know, it's it's not easy to put up uh, receiving numbers like that uh, at, at at that level of football. So, a lot to like there, and getting these guys in that early is is usually a pretty good sign for Nebraska. Vogues, uh, want to switch gears a little bit to this first week of spring ball. The recruiting news is is great for Nebraska and. You know the the tight end room, and I, I I really enjoyed listening to Coach Becton, and I don't know we got a round table with all those guys here two days before the pandemic hit, and then you know it is what it is, and and now Becton's back, and he was he was pretty fierce in in just what he felt needed to happen moving forward with attention to detail and special teams and was pretty adamant it's on us as coaches not it's not on the kids you know to be better on special teams but he kind of had a really pretty solid blueprint you can see why Nebraska's getting all these tight ends because they got a it sounds like they got a pretty good one there teaching them in the tight end room and coach Beckton yeah his what what he's done on this staff uh, really can't be overstated because it's not just the tight end group where Nebraska has a, a really kind of intriguing fleet of guys that continues to kind of replenish itself. But I mean, he, he's involved, you know, he was involved in Jones and he's, he's a key, key recruiting player in Georgia and Florida, mm-hmm. particularly. He's just a guy who, who resonates with kids. And, and you've got to have, well, you want as many of those as you can get on your staff but there's usually one or two that tend to elevate themselves. And that's, that's been Beckton so far. And, and you look at the on-field part of it, and, you know, Nebraska's tight end have a chance to be, to be really good difference-making players for the Oscars in 2021. Yeah, and you'd have to say just thus far, they have not been a liability by any stretch, mm-hmm. haven't necessarily been a huge strength, but solid group overall. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of where the offensive line wants to get I always like listening to Greg Austin, too, when he speaks with the media. He kind of pulls no punches. And I also think he just gives a little more insight than most of the coaches do. I just want your take, Brandon, on when he mentioned essentially saying, we don't want to just go fast in practice just to go fast. 
We're going to slow down to make sure we stick on blocks. We're going to legitimately establish more of a downhill run game. And even alluded to some formationally changing some things. It kind of confirmed, I think, Brandon, what a lot of us have been barking for for a long time. But <laughs> dare I say, run the ball. <laughs> what, was, what was your takeaway from, from Austin's comments there? Yeah, it was it, it was interesting. You know, it it struck me as kind of a, a continual evolution and, and response to to the realities of Big Ten football a little bit. Um, doesn't mean you can't use speed as a weapon. That's obviously you know where this coaching staff comes from and and how they kind of built UCF and of course revolutionary when Frost was at was at Oregon. Um, but, you know, different leagues have different styles of play. So it, it felt as much about that because the interesting thing about Nebraska is after that 2018 season, their explosive plays have really kind of dropped off a cliff. Like not, you know, to levels where they're in the bottom third of the country, but just for a program that you kind of expect to be in the top third, and I think they, they kind of need to be there. I mean, most, most programs want to. It's, it's just bizarre. And in the run game in particular, which is what, what Derek Peterson asked Greg Austin about, like they're, they're getting so many of those from the quarterback position that I, I think being better than what they've been over these past three seasons, it, it requires some of that to come from the running backs. So Derek and I have been talking about this topic a lot as it pertains to spring. Um, and it's, it's interesting in the passing game too. So I think we'll we'll probably get the chance to talk to Adrian Martinez next week, um, and, and coach for Co. So we'll, we'll see what they have to say about it from a from a passing front. But that one was a little bit easier to understand, at least last year, with just kind of Nebraska's struggles at the at the receiver position. Um, so so we'll see. But when I look at 2020 as a whole, uh, if Nebraska adds some big plays to the mix, um, they have a chance to be pretty good. I think. Brandon, with the coaches talking about slowing down, focusing on fundamentals, I mean, what do you think's next? Is it I formation, triple option? Am I, am I, am I going too far there? <laughs> Don't tease us. <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that, that might be a little too far, although we, we've seen it before for, for all of five plays, um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll all remember it, remember it fondly. Um, I mean, I, I think you could. I mean, I think – Part of this offense is they can they can do a lot of things, um, and if you're running, you know, Oregon, think back to those Oregon years. They were so kind of simple in the run game, but they would run it at pace, and you know, you could line up any way you want to and motion guys in and out and do all of this this kind of window dressing stuff. But you're still running like inside and outside zone, and if you can execute those plays at a high level, it allows then the offense to look much more multiple. And, and much more confusing than it may actually be because you're just you're just changing where you know the old bike leech coat. You just teach teach a guy a new place to stand rather than than a new play. Um, and I think that's where they want to get to. That, that is right on. Right, we're not going to ask you to do too many different pass routes here, son. Just nowhere to line up. <laughs> yep, and nowhere to run. So when it when it comes to the the offensive line and in the run game and the, the topic of, of power run game and kind of readjusting to the big 10 Vogues, we'll, we'll know more from Ryan held Monday, but what's your 
What's your glimpse like with the talent in the running back room and what you have returning on the offensive line? How do you think those two can complement one another moving forward here? If Nebraska is going to going to be more hunkered down and and great at at what they do, it's going to be the run game that carries them, and, and they've always been a run game, and it'll need to be more it'll be more male carried by the the eye back room. So, kind of spend a minute here on just the the. Uh, the ability of this this running back committee to help the O line and vice versa. I mean, could it could it make a pretty giant leap this spring together? I, I like the the talent level in in the running back room as as a whole, and you know, it's it's kind of hard for me to even say who's going to come out of that, mm-hmm. who's going to be your one guy, and who's going to be your two, three. Um, I, I think that might ultimately be decided by when you have a young group like this that, that doesn't have a ton of carries um, collectively, who sees it the best? So let's, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say that Nebraska's offensive line, which is a group I'm pretty high on, they're big and they're athletic as, as they've been in, in quite some time, uh, they are staying on those blocks. They're, they're doing what Austin helps unfold. Um, then it becomes a question of which running back sees it the best, you know, which, which makes step interesting just with his experience at a, at a big time program elsewhere, even though he didn't get to play a ton of games due to injury. Um, but which of those young guys just kind of has that innate ability, you know, think, think Amir Abdullah with just how, okay, everybody's doing their job. I know how to maximize this. I think that's the big question for me in terms of running back and, I just don't have a great feel for it going into this spring because we, we've only seen limited doses of, of most of those guys, but we know they've got the athletic ability to do it. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's switch over to defense. We also heard from Travis Fisher, and he seems pretty confident in, in the group he has coming back. How do you think they are going, or put it this way, who do you think becomes the player or players that you can't keep off the field opposite Cam Taylor Britt at corner? Probably Braxton Clark, um, assuming he, he he comes back full strength. And I mean, I think I think he should. Um, he's a guy who would have played a ton last year. Well, Fisher said as much. He, he would have played a ton last year had he been available. Um, it's just just a long corner who's who's really enticing. Um, I, I, I remain plenty interested in in a lot of that younger group uh, underneath them. When you look at Quentin Newsom, he's another guy who I think has a chance to to really push some guys there. Um, Taman Lynham, it seems like the coaches are pretty high on him, and then Miles Farmer, um, probably not probably not playing corner though he could. Um, it's just, I, I think that room, so so you bring back three guys who have played a lot of football for you, but the healthier that competition is for those spots, and I mean, I guess this is always the case, but I, I think there's a chance to have some real position battles there, even with what Nebraska has coming back. So that talent level that's coming up, the, the freshman, sophomore, you know, that group, um, if they can push them, the ceiling for, for the secondary, which is already pretty high just based on experience level, I think even goes up. 
Talking with Brandon Vogel here on a Saturday morning edition, Hail Varsity Radio. And Brandon, about this time last year, I guess a couple months in advance, maybe 10 months ago, a lot of hype about Nabab Joseph in that secondary room. What do we know about him? Is he making a push this spring? Or is this like a time when he just has to make a push to, to make a name for himself uh, if he wants to, you know, see the field for the Huskers the uh, next year or two? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty important spring for him for, for that reason. You know, obviously when you bring in a player like that, it's because you're, you're expecting some, some immediate help. Um, and, and I think you can, you know, with him arriving late last year and just the strangeness of, of 2020, you can kind of, you know, it's, it's not a caution flag for me. So he, he comes up in that, that kind of group that I just talked about of guys that came in as, as freshmen that were recruited here. Um, so he, he's in the mix. And we haven't heard a ton concrete on him yet, but, Obviously a talented player. He was a big get for Nebraska when they got him. So, so we'll see. I mean, there's, there's that group as a whole is probably has the highest potential, I think, of, of any group that Nebraska has right now. Vogue's going to shift over to volleyball. It was supposed to be a wonderful send-off this weekend with Penn State coming to town and fans in the stands and didn't happen, but as Nebraska – kind of regroups and gets ready to move forward here you know what's your pulse here on on the uh, the way this season you know where 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 where's nebraska's ceiling i mean are they we know they're super talented and you know a, a national championship caliber team but where are some of the, the 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 landmines here that lie ahead not only big 10 wise but just uh nationally uh let's kind of size up nebraska's next season postseason yeah so it'll be interesting to see um when the seedings come out tomorrow what they get and and what sort of draw that they have there you know with a 48 team tournament it'll it'll be a little bit different i mean what do you do you get three big 10 teams in the top five um how do where do they end up And, and texas had had the bizarre loss to to Rice um, and, and knock them back uh, in, in the rankings. And, and Baylor's slipped a little bit. So those are teams that obviously play at a really, really high level. They're probably the first two that come to mind, Baylor and Texas. Kentucky, Kentucky's probably going to get a one seed, I'm guessing. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. It, it's interesting. I think the thing that raises a little bit of concern for me here. And, you know, it's just a little bit. We are talking about Nebraska volleyball. is is kind of a long layoff. So they played Michigan on Thursday, Friday, um, and then they've got this week before the tournament starts and didn't get to play this week. That's a long time to just practice um, in, in the middle of a season. So, and, and another thing, uh, Nebraska has had this tendency a little bit to – start slowly in, in some of these matches, you get into a tournament setting and you start slow, um, you know, I think to the, back to the loss to Minnesota. Um, they ended up coming back and beating Ohio State. But in a tournament, you, you really run some risk of digging yourself a hole that you, you can't get out of. So I think that's the big concern. I'm also sure that Coach Cook is probably – at work using the, hey, guys, we didn't get to play Penn State. We didn't get the send-off. We didn't get senior day. Um, this is your chance to kind of write a new ending for this. So 
there's there's some good you can take out of it as well. Vogues to follow on that. What what do you chalk up the slow starts for? And even I remember watching the you know first uh, first few moments of the Michigan game. I'm sitting at the, the watering hole with some yep. friends and. Like what the hell? <laughs> you know, I mean, they turn it on and and are are brilliant. But you're right in a tournament setting, you can't count on always flipping the switch, no matter how good you are. Yeah, um, I, I I would chalk it up to a condensed season, not having um, not having a non conference slate sure. where. You know, a lot of those are, of course, home matches. A lot of them are teams Nebraska is going to beat pretty easily. Um, it gives you a little bit of a chance to work into that. But that non-conference slate, you know, always includes one big tournament or one big match against a fellow power. And you, you get to test yourself against somebody else instead of the, the conference teams that you see year in and year out. So I think it's a little bit of that only because, you know, Every team's kind of a, a journey, and you can expect to start out a little bit, a little bit slower. And hopefully, by the time you get to tournament time, you've kind of figured out, like, hey guys, if if we have a problem starting slow, or if you have a problem finishing games, you've had a little bit more time to work through it. I think we're still we're just earlier in that journey for Nebraska volleyball, but that's the reality of the season, and you kind of got to get that worked out um, because it's go time now. Mm-hmm. Brandon Vogel with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, managing editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, and uh, get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, have a good weekend, and thanks for spending some time with us this morning, bud. Thank you. Coming down from the room now. (laughs) Appreciate you. (laughs) Uh, Vogues, next time he sees me, he's just going to – he'll – his looks will threaten. He's the nicest dude there is. Super awesome. But, yeah, I lost myself there for a moment when I said, hey, dude, can you go to the roof? <laughs> One, mean, once in a blue moon, we hit communication was, issues with Vogues. Yeah, and I, th- I thought it was good that <clears throat> I think that was well timed. I just looked at the ABCA rankings. I think we all know the Big Ten's pretty good in mm-hmm. volleyball. Six of the top 11. Right. Nationally. Just like, give, them all, give them all four. Give, give four of them one seeds and just call her good. One thing I've kind of learned, too, and I'm, I'm by no means a volleyball expert, but it seems like there's a little disdain and disrespect for Kentucky for some reason. Well, <laughs> sort of like they're the front runners in the SEC, but like, you know, sort of like the fast ones in the slow group is kind of the impression. Right, that right. Well, think about this. Think about this. If you're if you're a Big Ten team and you look at Kentucky and with all due respect, right, but you're the Big Ten and you're like, man. It was just brutal. We just got done with the old uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State gauntlet. (laughs) Who have you played, Kentucky? (laughs) I know know Florida's good, you know, right? Kentucky and Florida. Then there's Texas, where 5'11 gals are just everywhere down there, and Baylor's good now. And I know Baylor's had some ups and downs, but Texas has always been dominant, right? So it is what it is there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool that we'll find out tomorrow kind of where the seedings are and if Nebraska gets a one seed or if they're going to have to maybe go through 
a Wisconsin or mm-hmm. go through a, a Minnesota. Um, we'll see. You're going to meet somebody in the neighborhood from the Big Ten. I just remember oh, our old buddy John Baylor, JB, talking about this was years ago, but you know Nebraska was still in the Big Twelve. This is how long ago it was, and JB was talking to me about how you know Missouri's good because they've imported from Russia or something along the lines where they had some giant oh, China, China, excuse me, they brought in some some just size from China. And uh, it was it was formidable, but uh, I think Nebraska was good. So yeah, it, it's uh, John John Cook's got his blueprints and and obviously coaching tree. Yeah. Uh, people have branched out and done really well, learning from him, and they have their own programs now. So we'll see um, where Nebraska goes. But awesome team and talent. Four o'clock tomorrow on ESPNU. <laughs> Yep. is the selection show. That'll be good. All right, we'll step away. The Iron Horse is in the on-deck circle. Gary Sharp joins us. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition, Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, we say uh, hi to Gary Sharp. Elijah Herbal running the show today. Sharpie, uh, is uh, there a U-Haul headed to, uh, to West Stadium with uh, Bill Moose? I know he's... Said there's just been some speculation. I've not been contacted here, but the Pac-12 could do a lot worse than following up with Bill Moose for their commissioner gig, couldn't they? Well, good morning to both of you. Happy Easter, happy Passover, uh, happy beautiful weather outside. Uh, I think, so you have to, when you hear this news, you have to step back and look at the situation that the Pac-12, which just went through a Larry Scott era, which was Mm. not good in terms of making money and promoting the conference, even though they're going to have one team in the Final Four in the men's side and the women's final as two Pac-12 teams, uh, they've been doing this search for a couple of months. And they identified their big candidates, including former Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Burns' son, Greg, who is really, really good at his job. He was at Arizona, and then he moved to Alabama. And he's got a good gig. He turned him down. So you have a reporter, um, and John does a great job of covering the Pac-12 out in San Jose. He's just putting together a list and trying to connect dots with people that have connections to the Pac-12, and that's immediately what I thought. And it's kind of it got backed up by Bill's comments yesterday. Um, and I don't, you know, if you're Bill Moose, if you're if you're getting toward the end of your administrative career, and he's seventy, and his contract goes through December thirty-first of twenty twenty-two, and he's paid real well, he's got the best gig that he's had as an athletic administrator. I don't know why you'd want to leave to be a commissioner. You know, I know he still has his property uh, out in the state of Washington. Uh, you know, the only, the only thing I think is the whole Oklahoma thing, he just did not like how that went down in the chain of command, and maybe he's looking for something else. I don't think it would be a good hire for the Pac-12, and I think it would be even more important for Bill to, to finish out his career at Nebraska and also see through football, men's basketball, and a facility being built before he signs off and uh, takes his wife and they go into a well-deserved retirement. So either way, Gary, there's a chance that um, 
yeah, I think it's a long shot that he'd be Pac-12 commissioner, but not a long shot that he leaves Nebraska within a couple years. So let's immediately um, speculate on who would replace him. Get a two-year head start. (laughs) Well, well, listen. Here's some things that you've heard. You've heard John Cook could potentially slide into that role. You've heard. I mean, Trev Alberts is an obvious um, candidate, at least. Uh, You've heard even. I've even heard Hank Bounds might want to come back and try his hand. Right? Like, what do you think happens when Moose leaves? Well, and and I and I think it's important as part of this to start thinking ahead. Uh, Because, you know, Bill is 70, Mm -hmm. and I I think he'll ride out his contract and retire. Remember, if he rides out his entire contract, there's $3.6 million in the next couple of years. Um, That's a pretty good reason to stay. Uh, If you're looking internally, and, you know, this is is a job that that Bill has kind of settled the waters. There's a better relationship between the school administration and the athletic administration. And I think Bill came in and he has done that perfectly compared to what we've had in the past. So you have to keep that going. If you're looking internally, I would love to have John Cook as the next athletic director in Nebraska, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of people who would like to have John Cook continue to be the volleyball coach. And we don't know how much longer he wants to go. Um, I think if he wanted this role, he would be fantastic in it, but it's not for everyone. It's not the football coaches running the athletic department these days. It's changed a lot, and it can be a grind. And you got to play the political game, and you got to balance a bunch of different factions. So you have to take that into account if you are not in athletic administration and you are looking for this job. You know, Trev Albert's name will always be mentioned as long as he's here in Omaha as the athletic director. Um, he's got a you know huge passion for his alma mater, but I don't know that he has a huge passion to be the athletic director. Um, but I think if you're also looking internally, Garrett Classy is somebody who was hired by Bill a couple of years ago. That Right now, I, I don't know what the chain of command is, but Garrett's probably second or third, and he has a bright future in this business. And then, as you mentioned, Mark, Hank Bounds. I mean, Hank Bounds is still involved in the Nebraska Athletic Department. The money that was being raised for the athletic facility, the football facility, Hank Bounds is in, you know, working on that. So, and he loves sports, and he loves this university. So, It'll be very curious when you get to, like, next year if, if Bill says, hey, this is my last year, and they put together a plan to find somebody else. Um, but I don't think Nebraska will lack for candidates and really good candidates. And that's, and that's, that's a tribute to Bill in settling that position down and, and cleaning up some stuff when he took over so that the next person that takes over is not going to have the awkward transition that Bill had moving from Shawnee Corst. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, uh, well thought out with uh, kind of this, uh, the athletic director spot and, and some of those candidates. And yeah, uh, you got to kind of think forward as we look forward to, to more spring football. You know, some of your impressions from, from the week that's been, starting with Frost and kind of ending with, with Austin and uh, three other assistants here. A, a unified message is what I took away, but uh, kind of uh, more of a, a direct message with uh, where they fell short. Well, I think you saw, and, and special teams kind of backs this up, the attention to special teams. I think there's more of attention to detail. I think there's more of a sense of urgency. I think you're also hearing coaches got to do a better job in fundamentals. They got to clean up the little things. I'm hearing more about what coaches need to do um, along with the players, which is a good sign. It's a, it's a typical first week. You know, it, it, I think you know, nothing earth-shattering, but there is a good sign 
there's a concerted effort to special teams. Every single person that's talked this week, I think, has talked about special teams. You know, Travis Fisher saying all 20 of his guys got to find a role on special teams. You have Mike Dawson that is in charge of it, who's got great respect from his peers on the staff, but also his position group and other players that know him. So that immediately draws, okay, we can't mess around when we're on special teams. We can't take it, you know, loosey-goosey. we got to be dialed in. Um, and that's what you do in spring. In spring, you take care of some of those things. You work on some things. You experiment. But the fact that they've made a lot of attention towards special teams and fundamentals, I think is a good sign because that's what they needed here in the spring. Yeah, that's and that was a big takeaway from what you're hearing from the coaches and the players so far that uh, have given interviews. I Look, and I think it's what we've all been pining for is just kind of like keep it simple. Is that the impression that you're getting is that they're – like, don't worry about sort of playing at this high-tempo, high-octane, organ-style pace or anything. Like, stop. Like, block people. <laughs> Tackle people. Get the run game going. Quit blowing it on special teams. I mean, do you get the sense that they're actually doing that? And what does that tell you, I guess, um, about Frost being more of a slave to a system versus a slave to winning? Well, I think that's a great observation, Mark, because – it's almost like they're, they're starting over the spring, but you don't have to go all the way back because you've got a fairly experienced roster at a majority of your spots. So you can, you can work on fundamentals and kind of re, reminders, but you don't have to start from scratch. And I think it, it shows how important that year number four is. I will tell you, there are guys in this program, whether they're wearing headsets or helmets, have been humbled by the last three years. Nobody wants to go through their entire career in Nebraska and not go to a bowl game, not have success. Coaches don't want to be miserable where they've only won 12 football games in three years. That's the sense I'm getting is they're not coming out and saying it, but they understand how important year number four is to get to at least a bowl game at a bare minimum, but to make strides and get validated for what they see with their own eyes when they get to Saturday. And that's a good thing. That's never a bad thing for guys to have a sense of urgency coaching and let players know, and I don't know you have to push on the message. They already know it. They hear it. Year number four, this is, the, this is the year to make a stride. This is a year to win at least six football games to prove to everyone that we're doing the right thing and moving forward. And, and, and that's the tone I'm also getting in spring, and that's okay because that needs to happen because that's a bare minimum of part of the success of this season. Gary, do you think that part of this this shift from the Husker coaching staff could also be hot seat pressure? I mean, even with with news uh, in the past week that Bill Moose could be in uh, in talks for the Pac-12 commissioner job, a new AD comes in, and you'd think their their jobs are no longer safe because it's not Moose that that or it is Moose that brought them in if he's gone. So, so do you think that they could be feeling just maybe the hot seat a little bit? I don't think so, Elijah. I, I, I'm, these guys aren't in trouble. You know, there's a the one the one dynamic of being the athletic director in Nebraska. The football coach carries a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of weight. I think it just boils down to the the, the 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 part of a competitor. You don't want to suck. You don't want to be miserable. You don't want to lose. You don't want to put all this hard work in and not have anything for it to be rewarded. You don't like that feeling. You know what people are saying. That people are like, ah, this is a staff that it cannot do it. Look at three straight years, just these head-scratching things. You know, because you have to weigh, all right, I know that we're 12 and 20 in the last three years, fellas. But, gosh, have you seen some of the games that we've been close? Have you seen what our record is in close games? All right, well, fix it. How do we fix it? I think, guys, 
guys want to win. Those, are, those guys on that staff are competitors. They don't want to be labeled as a staff that can't win at Nebraska because and even players, we know if you're part of a stretch at Nebraska where you're not a very successful team, you disappear. I mean, people don't talk about you. I mean, you go away and they don't mention your name, even if you're one of the better players at that position in your time in Nebraska. So guys just want to win. I mean, that's the part of competing. They're, they're fed up. They want to win more football games. They want to win close games. They want to have success. They want to prove to everybody that what they're seeing and what they're coaching and what they're teaching is true and it's going to pay off on Saturday. And that's okay. That's what we all want in any of our, our business. We want to be successful. We don't want to sit there and be miserable. I think some of these guys, I'm not going to say miserable, but I think some of these guys have been frustrated. They've been humbled. And they just want to win because that's what they were brought here to do. And they feel more confident this year than they have in the previous three years that they can get it done. Well, how they're losing is what has got to be maddening for the players and the coaches because uh, you've you've had a helping hand in some instances, be it special teams or penalties or getting in your own way. So let's go back to fundamentals and drill down on that so you're better, right? So uh, it's not like you're getting dismantled or destroyed. No, you're making big-time mistakes in some key moments that, that flip it, and it, there's your one-score loss. So that's, that's a great point. Sharpie, uh, I want to get your take here on, on some Husker baseball real quick, a, a thought on, on this uh, win streak and more so the, the mentality here of this, of this crew as they hit into game number two against Illinois today. You know, isn't it interesting, guys, when we the teams we follow, and in this case, Nebraska, we are really attached to teams when they mimic their coach's identity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Nebraska under Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne wasn't loosey-goosey. And usually drew down on the fundamentals, and he took care of the little things, and that's what Nebraska did. You never had to worry about that. Um, you know, with Danny Nee, he had the fiery personality where he got his guys fired up, and they played with a bunch of emotion, and we loved that. Will Bold is one of those guys why there are so many people – that are attracted to Nebraska baseball right now that maybe had drifted away towards the end of Darren's tenure is because that team that is playing is absolutely the identity of the guy that's in the dugout that went from a little-known shortstop out of Houston, Texas, to becoming one of the most important players in College World Series runs for Nebraska under Dave Van Horn. So now he's running the program, and they mimic his identity. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He carries a lot of doubt because people said, ah, he's a little scrawny shortstop. There's no way he can play in the uh, – in the Big 12, to proving what he did, to also, you know what, he plays with, he plays with a lot of emotion, and he's gritty, and he's tough, and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. And that's what his team is doing right now. Now, Will's got a good team. This is a very versatile lineup, one through nine. They've got enough arms to get them through games. Uh, you know, you start with Kate Povich, who has had a couple of nice outings in a row now. They're just they're a gritty team that's talented, and they find ways to win. And last night would have been one of those games that was pretty easy to lose because you had a lead, and then Illinois came back, and you could have said, ah, you know what, we got two more games in the series. And they kept going at it. I mean, they know it's nine innings, and then you were able to close it out with Schwellenbach. This is a, this is a really good team that I think is an NCAA team, and they're only getting better. And you know what? Now we're waiting for them to play the upper echelon teams of the Big Ten to really prove it. But this is... Man, you watch this team, and even if you didn't know Will Bolt was the head coach, you might go, wow, this kind of reminds me of some of those guys that played on Van Horn's team that were under, undersold, but they're gritty, 
and they're going to find any way to make uh, make it happen. And that's that's kind of last night. I thought was a nice little microcosm so far this year of who Will Bolt is and who this team is. Yeah, they're they're loose too, Gary. Like they play yep. loose. That's probably the only difference between because Bolt was wound pretty tight when he played, right? Like pretty yeah. intense. Um, but the team is very loose. They're they're relaxed. They just they don't look like they're feeling any kind of pressure whatsoever. Well, you, we, you know we, what? We were ta- oh, sorry. Go ahead. And you know, and, and, and uh, with that, they're also very likable. I mean, they got a, they got they got guys that come from you know all different kinds of backgrounds. They're you're right, Mark. They're a fun team to watch, and it just coincides with. You can have fans in the stands. The enthusiasm for Nebraska baseball, and they keep rolling here now, seven in a row. It's it's only going to get better. Yeah, that's the sense we get. And Gary, we we're talking in the in the opening of the show today. Just like, I don't think it's a stretch. It's a little bit of one, but just want your comments on this. I think Bolt can build a top ten power in the Big Ten with Nebraska. What do you think? Can I give this you sort of like the Boise you, State of can, right can, like? Or the Gonzaga, I, it's sort of like Nebraska could be the could be the thing in the Big Ten. I, I think Bolt seems like the right dude. Can I give you a perennial top 10 to 20? Like 10 to 20? Sure. Um, sure. I think it might be tough to crack the top 10. But there, there's no doubt, Mark, that his recruiting, and he loves in-state kids, he starts in and then goes out if he needs to. And the way they play the game and his knowledge of okay, how I'm going to build this team that we're not just going to rely on home runs. We're not just going to be small ball. We're going to be able to hit to the gaps. We're going to have guys that can also play small ball. We're going to run the base as well. We're going to get guys um, that are not necessarily flamethrowers, but guys that just throw strikes and get people out. I think the way he can search the roster, there is no doubt that he can find a home inside of that top 20 and find a home atop the Big Ten. And, you, and, and then we'll go, all right, this is what Nebraska was supposed to be when they joined the Big Ten on a, on a perennial basis. He's He's, he's, you know, I know Will for ever since he stepped foot on campus. He was, uh, in my mind, a, a appropriate hire for what Nebraska needed. And I'm so glad they're playing well this year. And they're getting better. And you know what? I mean, then, then you, you benefit from Will's aggressiveness with his staff in terms of recruiting. Max Anderson, guys. Mm. Max Anderson was supposed to be Texas A&M. Actually playing for Will Bolt. And yeah. because of the pandemic and the seniors getting extra year of eligibility, Texas A&M ran out of spots, and so they had to say, Max, uh, we don't have a spot for you. Well, Will Bolt had a spot for him, and look at Max Anderson is turning into not only one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten, but I think he's going to get a lot of consideration at the end of the year if he keeps this up for freshman All-American. Yeah, dude, and you got, listen, Gary, his staff has Texas recruiting ties, JUCO recruiting ties, and obviously Nebraska recruiting ties. We've seen that formula before. And you know what? And the thing here, here's the thing I like about this staff, and they're doing a great job in-state recruiting. Like moving forward, like they're filling up 22 and 23. They've identified guys throughout the state in those classes. Is they're not searching for the obvious. Hey, this is a big-time player. They're searching for a lot of fits um, of what they want and the vision that they have. And they say, okay, this is what we want out of our number two starter. Let's go find a guy in in-state or somewhere else to get him. And they're doing exactly that. I, I, I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm most pleasantly surprised about Will. I, I shouldn't be surprised, but, I, but I'm pleasantly surprised is his roster construction. It's not just, hey, let's go get 40 guys and put them together. It's let's get 40 guys, and they all have an intended purpose of what we see with it, what their value to the program. Sharp, about a minute, and we'll get you out, bud. Uh, happy Easter to you. And 
a, a thought here on Roy Williams stepping down as quick. Uh, not not shocking, but kind of shocking. Didn't you guys all think of the times we were at the Devaney Center? Yes, growing up. Yes. Yeah, when Nebraska and KU would play some of those great games in the 90s, when Roy would be bring his team in, you'd be like, wow. That's Roy Williams sitting on the bench. That's KU. And then Nebraska would have the Jamar Johnson moment or the Bruce Chubbuck chase down block or mm-hmm. some of the other upsets that Nebraska had at the Devaney Center. What a gentleman. What a, what, a, what a great person. He's an ambassador for the sport. He's an ambassador for coaches. And he went out on his own terms. But that was a painful press conference to see when somebody says, I just can't do it anymore. And you're thinking, Roy, you're only 70. You're not in pressure in losing your job. You, you've, you've playing pretty well. But he, you know, it gives you an inkling of what the next step is for college basketball with, with uh, player freedom and that kind of stuff. But I also think it's starting, guys, and then more in college uh, basketball. We're going to see the legends start going away. They're going to they're announce their retirement and have those press conferences like Coach K, like Tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. But Roy Williams, what a, what a wonderful person. What a genuine human being. Um, my interaction, I always loved it. What a great interview. And dadgummit, we're going to miss those Royisms. <laughs> That's true. Sharpie, take care. All right, buddy, we'll, we'll check in next week. Thanks for your time today, bud. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse. Covered a lot there. And a uh, little quick fact about Roy Williams. Didn't really get to talk to him, but he was in my seat in Section B. I got there early. Dick Vitale was there for a Sunday broadcast. Nebraska, again, upset Kansas, and Roy was in my seat. <laughs> he was just standing around Section B in in the, the third row, sitting, he was talking to somebody he knew from Nebraska, and I just, oh, okay. Excuse me, sir, those are my seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just was, I just kind of stopped, he's like, hi, son. I mean, in that Carolina twang, so... Grant I have a good weekend. Same to you, Elijah. Back at you Monday from Longwells for Championship Monday.